0: From the Partnership for Public Service, you're listening to Transition Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at presidential transitions. I'm David Marchek. Today on Transition Lab, we have Senator Ted Kaufman to talk about the Joe Biden transition to power. This is going to be a special podcast. For 48 years, outside of President-elect Biden's family, Ted has been Biden's closest friend, advisor, and confidant. And as our listeners know, we've done deep dives on every modern transition since President Carter, and also on some historically terrible transitions like Lincoln and Roosevelt's. We've also focused on aspects of transitions like personnel. This is our first opportunity to learn about President-elect Biden's transition team. When people ask me how the Biden transition team is doing, I always give them The same two-line answer. They're the best organized, deepest, and most experienced transition team ever, commensurate with the challenges Biden will face. And I also add that future Republican and Democratic transition teams will be studying the Biden model for decades to come. Ted is the architect of that model. Senator Kaufman grew up in Philadelphia. He studied engineering at Duke and received an MBA from the Wharton School. After business school, he worked in technical marketing and development for DuPont in Wilmington, Delaware. In 1970, he started getting involved in Delaware Democratic politics. And in 1972, a 29-year-old Newcastle County councilman decided to run and take on the popular incumbent senator. After that candidate, a fellow named Joe Biden, won that election Ted Kaufman took a leave of absence from DuPont to set up Biden's Delaware office and the rest is history. Ted was by Senator Biden's side as his most important aide for 22 years until 1994 when he retired from the Senate. He then taught for 26 years at the Duke Law School. My wife was one of his students. I'm not sure she was the top student, but hopefully she was pretty good. And In 2009, Ted became Senator Kaufman when he was appointed to fill Vice President Biden's Senate seat. After the Senate, Ted retired for a second time, but once again, he failed at retirement. When Biden emerged in the South Carolina primary earlier this year, Ted was tapped once again to architect Joe Biden's transition to power. Ted, thanks for joining.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Now, for our listeners, by the way,
1: one thing I want to make clear is that your wife was a first class student.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. I will tell her you said that, and um, I'd like to look at her grades and some of her papers, but I'll 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 take your word. So, and Ted is actually he has a power failure in Wilmington. They had a lot of snow, and he's doing this from his car, which is the first podcast that I've done with anybody from a car. So, thanks for the extra effort. So, I always like talking Ted to people about their backgrounds. Now, you were in engineering for DuPont. And I understand you worked on a product called Corian, which was used for bathroom sinks. So how exactly did you go from bathroom sinks to working for Joe Biden in 1972?
1: Well, it's a a, a really fascinating, fantastic uh, discussion. As you said, in 1972, I was involved in the Delaware Democratic Party, but but only only as a volunteer. I was working full time at DuPont in finance at that point. I had met Kilbrott during the months, uh, early months in 1972. And then in spring of 1972, his sister Valerie By-Nolens, his sister, called and asked me to take a talk to the candidate, Joe Biden, about getting involved in the Senate campaign. When I met with him, he asked me if I would help him. And I told him absolutely I would help him. The main reason was he was concerned about reform, criminal justice reform, taking care of, of, of folks that have less in our society. He was really talking about the, 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 what I thought were really great issues. And, and I told him, you know, lots of times there are people, especially in Delaware, who run as a platform to talk about issues. So I said, I'm, I'm happy uh, to help him. But I also told him that I thought he had no chance, no chance of ever winning. And it was was simple, really, when you you think about it back then. That was because the incumbent Republican senator, Cale Fox, was beloved throughout Delaware. He'd been a two-term governor, a two-term member of Congress, and he was running for his third term in the Senate. If that wasn't bad enough, every major elected office in Delaware was held by a Republican. I'll never forget, Joe Biden listened. He smiled. And he welcomed me on board. He then went on to win Delaware U.S. Senate seat by 3,600 votes. That night at the victory party, this is the honest-to-God truth, I swore that I would never again believe that anything was impossible.
0: Well, now your best friend and longtime friend is now president-elect of the United States, so that's pretty cool, starting from... You telling him he couldn't win, now he's president of the United States. So that's pretty amazing. So I would
1: tell you what, i never I've never met a senator before. I mean the idea of getting <laughs> him elected Senate not getting him elected, but being involved in getting him elected Senate was an incredible
0: experience. It's it's remarkable. From Newcastle County councilman to President of the United States, it's pretty amazing. So You've become kind of a transition guru, which is great for those that listen to this podcast. But how did you actually get involved in transitions?
1: The way it got started is right after, well, kind of before he was he was actually elected. The Obama team had started a transition, and and the candidate Joe Biden for vice president told the candidate Obama asked and said, "Well, help grab we this transition. How would you like to help?" And and uh, Joe Biden told him. I'd like to have Ted Kaufman and Mark Gittenstein be co-chairs of the vice presidential transition and be involved in the presidential campaign. Uh, Mark Gittenstein had worked for for, for then Senator Biden for years, and he'd been his chief counsel on the judiciary committee and an old friend. And the Obama people could not have been more welcoming. I mean, they they really had an incredible, uh, very good operation. And a few days after the Obama campaign won the election, Mark and I, went with Vice President-elect Biden to Chicago and met with President-elect Obama and his staff to begin selecting the cabinet, which was an incredible experience. I mean, to sit with a, an incoming president and actually talk about who should be and what positions in the cabinet was another just incredible, remarkable
0: experience. And, and now you're doing that again, which is truly amazing as well. So, but I understand in that race, John Podesta told me this, that Obama was pretty focused on the transition. He spent time on it. But Biden, when he was running for vice president, I guess he was superstitious and he didn't want to spend a lot of time on transition. So why was that?
1: Yeah, we know we were. I don't want to superstition. I may be Irish. Both of us uh, have Irish mothers. And uh, but you just don't, uh, you know, you, you don't look beyond. And, and and the other thing was he just never took his eye off the ball. During the campaign, he concentrated like a laser at, to make sure all his time and effort went in winning the race. But he, he didn't understand the transition could, you know, was something we should do, get started on. President Obama asked him to put some on. So he did ask Mark and me to work with John Podesta, Chris Liu, and the others who were like the um, all-star team on uh, transitions, many of them involved in uh, Clinton's transition. And so we both got involved. We started meeting with a very extensive transition team that were working for, uh, for Obama it was a very much of an undercover kind of operation. You had to keep it a secret, but it was quite gigantic.
0: Now, so what were the main things that you learned from that transition that you applied for this cycle?
1: they really, the, 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 when you look back on them, they, they really sound kind of obvious and they are. I mean, first thing is start early on the transition. Uh, you know, this is, this is, this is incredible. You know, this is the most, this is the most complex transition you can ever have in history. I mean, if you, if you went to a head of a major corporation and said you're going to take over an operation that has 6, 8 million people, hire 4,000 people, and do it all in basically two or three months, they'd say, I, I can't believe you can do that. We couldn't do that with a corporation. So if you had to start early. You had to have someone lead the transition with a total trust of the county. What happened in so many counties? the recent Trump transition was the worst case. They assigned people to work on the transition. But meanwhile, the important people the candidate, other important people in a the campaign, they, they weren't looking at what goes on the transition. See, if you spent months preparing and, and you went into great detail, right after the election, the, the folks that had been most responsible for a winning campaign came and sat down and tried to learn about transition in you know two or three days. And what happened many times is a sense of frustration set in and campaign people just took over the transition. And, of course, in in, in President Trump's case, President-elect Trump then, he, he fired Chris Christie and most of the people that really knew what they were doing. The other thing, the next thing we learned was that transition should not create problems to the campaign or get ahead of the campaign. Uh, that's another thing that happens. You can have a transition that's busy, like, for instance, you're raising money for the transition, at the same time, the presidential candidate or any candidate at any level of this works is trying to raise money for the campaign. If you're not careful, you can be calling up people to ask for contributions more than one. That's the most obvious and simplest. But there are a bunch of reasons why you have to have really a good interaction between the leaders of the campaign and leaders of the transition. I also learned that the important role of the outgoing president plays, that you know, how important it is and how the president plays and doesn't play in 2008. We were in a financial crisis with two wars going on, yet President Bush and his chief of staff, Josh Bolton, and the entire Bush team were 100% cooperative, I mean 100% cooperative. They were helping us every step of the way. So we learned that it really helps if the, the president you are replacing and his staff helps you with the, uh, with the transition.
0: Well, those are great lessons learned, and we have studied the Trump transition. We had Chris Christie and Rich Bagger on the podcast. And... Again, it's sad. They did a great job. They were buttoned up and then all that work went to waste. And, you know, that that had an impact on the Trump uh, launch. So
1: it was the most extreme case, Dave. Most of the time. I mean, it's it's always a. It, if you look back on all the campaigns, it's always an incredible problem.
0: I know. And, and I think we'll get to this later, but I think you're the first transition that's really solved some of those problems, which we'll get into. So then let's fast forward your appointed senator. And you take your experience from the Obama-Biden transition, you say, I'm going to make the transitions better, and you sponsored a bill to amend the Presidential Transition Act of 1963. So what led you to do that?
1: Well, it was was really kind of simple. I mean, the transition is so important, and I just saw that really there there were some obvious things you could do to make it better, and, and then I got a lot of help. They got a lot of help every step of the way on all these parts from the partnership and public service. You're the folks that really keep track of all the data and know who the good people are and prepare all the presentations. They also, so who did I turn to when I was going to write the bill? And that was the partnership with public service. And I think that it's fair to say that both Vice President Joe Biden and the partnership believe that an effective transition is essential if you're going to have an effective presidency. And they were absolutely right. So it, it just made a lot of sense. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this is, you know, freshman freshman senators don't usually get an opportunity to actually write a bill and get it passed. And it was great for me to be able to do that. Now, I had worked in the Senate for over 20 years, so I know how to do it, but it was incredible how the other senators helped me, both Republicans and Democrats, working with them and then then contacts in the House so that the House quickly approved the bill. And then um, uh, President Obama signing the law. So it was a real, it was a real, another great point in my experience.
0: And, and that bill had a positive impact on this transition, which is also incredible and incredible part of the Ted Kaufman story. So, but you, you also were involved, the partnership hosts these meetings every four years, starting in 2012. And you, then took your expertise and were one of the experts in those meetings. But then this year, you were the res- recipient of expert advice. So, so tell us about your experience in those meetings.
1: Well, in 2008, I was involved because they convened meetings every four years, that the partnership did, with the Republican and Democratic candidates for president. So I was there kind of representing, involved with one of, the, uh, one of the candidates. Then in 2012, after I'd written the law and I'd been involved, I was in the the conference where they had, it was really an education system for candidates, not just on, on, mostly on transition, but also on campaigns. And the uh, the Romney team was incredibly impressive. Governor Mike Levitt and Chris Liddell and a bunch of representatives from the uh, Obama White House. Then in 2016, I participated in a session with five campaigns. It's hard to believe, really. You look at where we are today, but all five campaigns, the Clinton campaign, the Sanders campaign, the Trump campaign, the Cruz campaign and the Kasich campaign all sat around the table and the partnership with some folks that have been effective in the campaign. Josh Bolton came and uh, Chris Liddell and a lot, a, a lot of folks involved in the previous campaign and and actually sat and, and, and listened and talked. And there was a bit of rancor or anything else. It was really uh, kind of uh, fascinating. And then in 2020, I participated, but this, this, instead of being an expert, providing advice, I was the one getting the advice. And I'll tell you what, the advice was great. It was a, it was an incredible, valuable event to help us in our transition.
0: Okay. My last question on that, you actually were involved in two bills. I think most people think you were involved in one bill, but there were actually two. So maybe talk about what those two bills did.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, in 2010, as I said before, the Senate passed my, my bill, Senate uh, 3196. And what it did was it moved up the date for the transition teams to get access to office space, computers and phones and funding from, from the government. Prior to the legislation, GSA support only kicked in after the election. Basically, if you can believe this, you were trying to, to, as I said before, how difficult it is to have a transition in the most com- biggest and complex organization in the history of the world. But you're supposed to basically do it in 70 days. What my bill did was increase it from 70 to more like 140 days. Instead of getting the, the financing to the help after the election, you got it after the convention. So that added all that time. In the past, if, and the other thing about it was, which really was a gigantic thing. I know it's hard to believe now it was. But if you were caught working on the transition, and I mean literally caught, somebody wrote a story, an article in the paper about, oh, well, the the Biden transition or the Obama transitions off working on their uh, tra- uh, t- 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 campaigns, Biden campaign or the, or the Obama campaign was off working on, on their transition, people would say, well, they're overconfident. They, they're taking it for granted. And the term they used to use, it actually became a term which is in all the stories. They were measuring the drapes in the White House. And once my bill passed, since everything started by law, uh, right after the convention, people could go ahead and start on the convention not have to worry about these kind, of,
0: these kind of stories. And then your second bill was 2015, which actually you were out of the Senate, but I think Senator Carper sponsored that legislation and got it through. And then he named it after you and, and Mike Lovett
1: Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Uh, uh, Tom Carper is an old friend. Uh, he's the senator from Delaware. He was the key person in, in, in writing uh, the 2015 bill. And he asked me to get involved. And he asked, and I suggested he S Governor Levitt, Mike Levin. I think he held two cabinet posts in the Bush administration. Really, really, very impressive person. I got him involved, and then the legislation. And it, at the, it was really a surprise at the at the uh, final hearing in the uh, Senate committee to to, uh, to pass the bill out as a surprise. Senator Carper said, "And I'd like to add an amendment to add this bill, making it the." Uh, Everdy e. Kaufman and Michael Levitt Presidential Transition Improvement Acts of 2015. It was
0: great. Well, that was an appropriate tribute, and Senator Carper is a wonderful person and I know fond of you, so that was an appropriate tribute. So let's fast forward to this transition. So, when did you start actually working on the plan for the Biden transition? It
1: was in the spring. Candidate Biden, we have been talking, but at uh, this point, not about the transition, talking about the campaign, obviously very concerning campaign, and I think maybe I mentioned the transition passing, but not, not anything, you know, saying we all started or not. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a transition start early spring. And then he called me. He said, you know, I've been thinking about this transition thing. I think we really to start right now. I said, well, I'll tell you what. One of the things you rule, if you go to one of these a partnership for public services get-togethers, you learn one thing. You can't start too early. And so I said to him that I would start it. I mean, basically, I would get the transition started for him, and we decided to do it. And it was really one of the smartest things we had.
0: Okay, so Biden asked you in the spring to to coordinate this and and get it going and architect it. So what's the first thing you did?
1: Well, I I did obviously, the first thing was to call my uh, co-chair from the uh, 2008 transition, Mark Ednstein, who's also a good friend, asked him to help. And then we got together a, a group, with Mark and Dana Remus, who is the, uh, who is the chief counsel in the campaign, is going to be the, the chief counsel in the White House. Jeff Peck, who is a who is staff director on the Judiciary committee. Darla Pomeroy who worked in a number of different uh, positions, was very successful in business. And Chris Schrader, who I taught with the Duke Law School for 26 years and is really probably knows more about how the, uh, the, the laws of what we do than, than anybody I've ever known.
0: And so, I mean, that's a great group long-time Biden people, people that essentially brought into Biden's orbit, and and they were long-time Biden people. So, But then you decided to bring in Jeff Zients. And so how did that decision get made, and why Jeff?
1: Well, we we did a search. We just talked to a lot of people about who would be the best person in the transition without really giving away that we were even starting a transition. We wanted somebody with lots of successful experience, not experience in transitions, just successful experience in managing and because it's an incredible difficult management position that was highly organized and totally discreet. And we talked over with Anita Dunn, who was very much involved in the uh, campaign, and he used to be Bo Bradley's uh, press secretary and is really a person that knows a lot of folks around town. And the three of us all said decided on Jeff Science that he would be the best person to do this. He, again, he was someone who was very successful in business. And then had actually in the Obama White House, won both the Office of Management and Budget and the National Economic Council. So I talked it over with the Vice President, and he agreed. He knew Jeff, and was really uh, felt the same way we did about Jeff's many talents. So we agreed, and then and we Jim- asked Jeff, you know, which is the obvious thing to do, who who do you think would be the best person to be our Executive Director? And he said right away, Johannes Abraham. Johannes had worked with him in the White House and was teaching at Harvard Kennedy School. He has run the day-to-day operations of the transition. He's done a, a, a fantastic job. Since then, I've met dozens of people that know Yo, and every one of them talks about how, how incredible the talent is, and I know uh, from firsthand experience. And then the four of us, uh, you know, Jeff and Yo and Mark and I, established the Joseph R. Biden presidential transition, and we worked together closely for all the following months.
0: And I can attest to the fact that Jeff and Yo are two of the most organized, talented professionals I've worked with in government and business and law. They've done a fantastic job. So let's go back to this conference we had in April where, you know, John Podesta, Mike Levitt, Josh Bolton, Ann O'Leary, Rich Bagger from the Trump transition and others, you know, they basically, we convened a conference to brief Ted Kaufman and Darla and Dana and others. And so What were the things that you took away from that conference that you've applied to this transition?
1: There were some things I knew early, but they really reinforced, and that is, you know, uh, start early. Shape the transition to candidates' preferences. That's really important. It's really important, and and lots of people get into this, and they just think, well, I'm out here to make laws or figure out things. No, 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 no. What you what you want is somebody that can that, that believes in in what the candidates believes in and what what the candidate's preferences are, not what our preferences are, and have absolute discipline on information and leaks. Because again, we're we're into we're into, uh, very much involved in a campaign, and so it was, it was that. And then the second thing was the commerce also reinforced our view that the transition would be like no other, and and it's really easy. I mean, I I thought we were from the most difficult convention because of the the, uh, great recession, the financial crisis in 2008, but it's nothing like this. I mean, this is, no other transition has ever taken place with these set of challenges, a pandemic, a recession, a racial justice crisis, an unpredictable president, and political polarization. I realized that we had to build off the best of what previous transitions had done and do much more to ensure the Vice President Biden, we're ready to
0: govern on an operation And and that's what you've done. And one of the things that I remember from that from that conference was Mary Jabert, who's the career federal transition coordinator, really an incredible person. I think Mark Gittenstein said, Well, Mary, the country's kind of shut down. We're all operating on Zoom. This was early in the COVID crisis. I mean, we really didn't know what was going on. And Mark said, So are you planning uh, plan B, which is if if we're still remote? in November, what are you, what's the GSA gonna do? And Mary said, actually, we're planning that to be plan A. And I remember I kind of gulped and said, that's not good. So what was your reaction to when Mary said that?
1: It was a real eye-opener. Remember when we started the transition, we were just about a month into the period when business and schools had been shut down and we had no idea how long that would last. We also were just learning to be efficient in Zoom and other platforms. We realized we needed to plan for a virtual transition and we did. It increased the degree of difficulty considerably. But thanks to good planning, coordination and communication, it's been seamless. The other thing that Mary's comment reinforced was that the career officials working throughout the government are professional, non-partisan patriots. They just want to do a good job and and, and that's something that Mark and I knew from our years of working that's absolutely true. The, the civil service in the united states government is full of people exactly as mary described them and we knew that mary is preparing for either a trump reelection or a biden win she her team and the other career officials across the government had done a great job on the transition
0: she really has and they're professionals and and i think people don't realize the tightrope they have to walk so you know another another kind of early moment of this transition which was kind of indelibly sealed in my mind is you know, COVID was just creeping up, and Dan Hyman, who is another f- fellow from the partnership, and I, we drove up to your house. We said, I don't think we should take Amtrak just because of COVID. But you know, and we spent three or four hours with you and Mark, basically talking about all the key architectural decisions for the transition. It was it was at that meeting that you started talking about some of the rules that you want to establish for the transition, and, and maybe you could just mention some of those rules.
1: Sure, sure, they're really about values. Uh, What what, what is the campaign value? What's the campaign about? And the first rule was the transition does nothing to hinder the campaign. I mean, really, when you think about it, until Election Day, the campaign is by far, by far, the most important part of the Biden effort. We talked with the campaign and cleared everything we did. All the time. In addition, we met every Saturday with Anita Dunn, very involved in the, in, the, in the campaign, and Bob Bauer, who was kind of the, the, the legal brains in the campaign, and we met with him every Saturday and talked about what was going on the campaign, and we told her what we were doing in the transition. She gave us uh, especially valuable advice on, well, who should we talk to about this? We're going to start this. Who do you think could possibly could be effective? Second rule was that what happens in the transition stays in the transition we knew that there'd be incredible interest in what was happening in all parts of the transition, and especially who was going to get positions in the administration. I mean, if you spend any time in Washington, it's like the greatest parlor game, rabbit hunt in, in, in Washington for, uh, for the period that transit is going to be it. So who's going to get a job, and where are they going to get them, and who's going to get what, who's going to be in line, those kinds of things. And everyone in the transition took responsibility Seriously. And we had very few accurate reports of what was happening in the transition. We had a lot of reports of what was happening in the transition, but very little of it was accurate. The third rule was the policies made in the campaign, not in the transition. This is, this is really important. I don't know how other transitions did this particular piece. But one of the things we had learned was that the transition is not about making policy. It's about getting to the bottom of what a President Biden would want to do when uh, he became president. And, and one of the things that was valuable for us, this is another advantage of having been involved in so many Senate campaigns. In every Biden campaign, there was a detailed record of what the candidate said publicly on all the policies. And we actually, he actually gave speeches not directed at necessarily getting reelected, but in terms of educating folks and keeping a record of what he wanted to do when he got in. What we did was we got from the uh, campaign, all the policy statements he, he, he made. And we collected in what we call the campaign promises book. Then what the transition did on policy was they 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 took the campaign promises book and they sliced it and diced it. All the promises so that people in each agency knew what the Biden policies were for that specific agency. What Senator Biden had had had, had learned very early, and and that was that. If you wanted to accomplish anything when you were in office, it really was essential that you talk about the your campaign. This is especially true in president. You can't, you can't t- not talk about campaign that you want to do some really, really important thing. And then after the election, you could say, well, by the way, I really want to do this too. And one of the big advantages of it is if you do get elected and someone says, well, I don't like your bill, well, hey, the American people voted for my bill, for what I said, like break back better. They voted for a very comprehensive program. I'm just doing what the American people elected me to do. Where you were talking about an issue that you haven't talked about in the campaign, you're on your own. The fourth rule was that transition staff should mirror the United States. President-elect Biden's most important commitment was to have an administration that reflected America. And I must tell you, because of the incredible number of highly qualified people interested in serving the transition, this was no problem. And we turned out to have a transition that genuinely mirrored America in, in, in just about everywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back to your second rule, it's really incredible. I have reporters call me all the time saying, I don't get anything out of the Biden team. They don't leak, they're totally disciplined. I'll give our listeners one story, which is you and I. You know, talked almost every day during the transition, sometimes several times a day. And I remember the day that Biden appointed Senator Harris as his vice president designate. And there was lots of speculation over who he's going to pick and when it was going to be. So I called you and I said, Ted, I'm not going to ask you who he's going to pick because I know you wouldn't tell me and it would be inappropriate, but is he going to do it today? And you said, I don't know, no comment, I can't tell you. And I thought, okay, well, that's fine. He announced it an hour later. And I called you that afternoon, I said, Ted, you can at least show me a little leg, you know, you could at least say today, but absolute discipline. So one of the things I've said publicly is that future transition teams will study the Biden transition model for for many cycles to come, Republicans and Democrats. What do you you think are the most critical innovations you've made on this transition?
1: Well, um, I think think one of the big things we did uh, for this transition uh, is that we broke down We knew right away that we were faced with these incredible challenges of all kinds. First, there was just the normal challenge. Every four years, having had experience with this, the difficulties for the the transition go up exponentially. So we knew that that this transition was going to be much harder just on that, just straight up, because of the complexity, technology, changes that are made in laws, and everything else. But we also realized that we were faced with an incredible pandemic. We were, the economy uh, was in going down fast. We had a racial justice crisis, uh, we had all the things that Donald Trump had done to the either domestically to the to the federal government and also to our uh, effect around the world. So we know there were two kinds of such challenges. Ones we, one's we kind of called the conventional challenges that face every president's transition. We knew the extensive problems of having a proper exchange of power as I said before. The second group we call the unconventional challenges. And frankly, uh, most of the spring We spent going over what the unconventional challenges are. And what we found was that without any hard work, we we came up with 70 unconventional challenges. And and the only reason we didn't stop making challenges, we just stopped counting. Right. uh, So we spent a good part of our our first six months uh, of uh, coming up with uh, plans to deal with each one of them.
0: And I think another innovation is the way you approach the uh, agency review team. So let me give you some data. So Obama had 349 professionals covering 62 agencies. You have, and this is incredible, more than 600 agency review team members covering more than 100 agencies. So what was the rationale for doing that? And what type of people did you try to recruit for the agency review roles?
1: Well, I think, I think if, you, if you think about it, we're going to have these gigantic challenges you're really going to have to hit the ground running I mean the first hundred days you've got to grab this thing by the throat, uh, so what can you do in order to 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 do that and one of the most important thing is I found in my whole life you know if you have a very very difficult problem, the single best thing you can do is go find somebody that can help you deal with it and in this case we we needed we knew we knew what the numbers were we knew what the numbers had been in the past uh, but we just said in the beginning that, that's not that's not where we want to go. what we want to do is we want to have a a lot more people in working on the agency review teams, and we would to cover a lot uh, more agencies. I mean, really, it is essential that we hit the ground running. We wanted to make sure that we had a diverse team, which mirrored the United States. As I said before, uh, but, and we wanted many people with experience, but we also wanted uh, new, younger people. And uh, finally, we we wanted people who could maintain security, as I said before. So it, it was really came out of our analysis of, of the unconventional challenges. First thing we had to do is have people that could really deal with these, as many good, smart people as we could. And not, I, I, I'd say we got more people and we're going to do more agencies, but I think the, the biggest thing is we, we we got really incredible people. Who were yeah. And that goes to President-elect Biden. I mean, the people that wanted to work in and, and help in a Biden administration. I mean, what the sad part was how many people that, that you know, that we, couldn't, that we couldn't bring into the transition at that point.
0: And I assume you're just getting inundated with calls from kindergarten friends, college friends, former students, anybody you know saying, hey, can I get a job?
1: Legions, legions. Legions. <laughs> it's, just, it's, 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 uh, it's wonderful. I mean, it, it's been a wonderful thing for me to get to catch up with people. In some cases, I haven't seen as long ago as 50 years. I actually had a friend of mine from uh, high school call me in fact, I, too, call me and, and say, you know, congratulations to everything. And, you know, I've got a, in both cases, I've got a daughter that would like to be in the, involved in the transition. So it was a wonderful uh, it was a wonderful thing. But I'll tell you what, it was it was like it literally was like the old saying about drinking water out of a fire hose.
0: Yeah. And so how do you, how are you feeling about the appointments that President-elect like Biden has made so far? How do you feel like the, the rollout's gone and, and the pace?
1: Oh, I think it's excellent, especially and the, the pace. I mean, it, I mean the transitions on pace to have many more White House and agency nominations than any other transition in modern history, and I've been involved in them. And again, it, it's all built on this basic building block of we've got to hit the, the, the ground running on inauguration day. And I and I think when you as you look at these nominees, they're highly qualified, they're experienced, and they're breaking barriers. And again, let's go back to being a mirror of America. The first person of color to run the Defense Department, the first female to be the Director of National Intelligence, the first gay cabinet secretary, and there's about a half a dozen more of different minorities in the country that were not represented.
0: Yeah. I have to say the uh, the Pete Buttigieg announcement really had an impact on me because part of this was personal. Going back to Clinton one of my close friends from the 92 campaign was a woman named Roberta Actenberg and she was nominated for an assistant secretary of HUD. She's LGBT community. And I remember Senator Helms and others basically tried to block her vote because she had the audacity of introducing her partner at the confirmation hearing and uh, really an ugly incident. And now we have the first openly gay person in the cabinet, which is, it's really incredible. And I, I talked to my kids about it last night and they, they just didn't understand. Like, well, what's the issue? Why? Why does anybody care? So,
1: but those so, people already understand how difficult it was for people of color, how difficult—not just, just gay people, people of color, and women—to have a major role in the government and go through the confirmation process. Because the, the issues would not be whether they were qualified as they should be. They be, had to do with race and
0: gender and, and issues like that. Yeah. So I asked the same question to close many other podcasts of people like Mike Levitt, Josh Bolton, John Podesta, people that have run transitions. So, I mean, you came into this transition knowing more about transitions than perhaps any other transition co-chair, but certainly you've learned a lot. So what do you know now, Ted, that you wish you knew in the spring when then-candidate Biden asked you to be the architect of the transition?
1: Yeah, there's a number of things. One of the things I remember from the Partnership Republic Service, April constant And I can't remember, I wish I could remember who said it, but someone said the intensity intensity ramps up and then accelerates.
0: Yeah, that was I, a Rich Becker.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, been in, I've been in difficult things, and you know, but boy, I'll tell you, nothing could have been truer. I've worked my whole life in a whole lot of what I think most people would think were uh, difficult jobs, but this isn't the most difficult and intense workload that I've ever experienced. Second, I'm so happy we started early. I think of what President Bill Clinton's chief of staff, Mack McClarty, said about the Clinton transition, that if you fell behind, you can never catch up. We were determined not to fall behind, and we didn't. Third is, you know, build a great team. And uh, you you always think you're going to build a great team and the rest of it, but the emphasis on especially the building blocks of that team, and we put a lot of time and effort into that, and Jeff Science and, and Johannes Abraham did a fantastic job. They brought in, uh, not the two of them, but also they brought incredibly uh, qualified people and then meeting them. The people uh, in this effort has been absolutely unbelievable. And finally, uh, it all starts at the top. And uh, Joe Biden brings more experience to this job than any other person that became president in our history. And he was determined to be ready on day one given the crisis our country faces. I was dead set on delivering them,
0: and we did. Well, Ted Kaufman, thank you for your time, thank you for sharing your wisdom, and most importantly, thank you for service to our country for so many years.
1: Thank you, Dave, it's been really a pleasure working with you.
0: If you like Transition Lab, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.